0: All right, what's going on, everybody? Good to see each and every one of you. I want to look into the camera and say a big hello to all those that are watching online. Come on, Arnold family, help me welcome them to church today. (laughs) We appreciate each and every one of you, and uh, thanks for being in church with us. And I want to say this from the very outset today Uh, they've already told me that we're kind of overflowing in some of our children's spaces. uh, I have this to talk about in a couple of weeks, uh, some good problems, because Heartland Church is growing, but if you had an infant and were turned away today, uh, I just want you to know we're working on it, okay? So be patient with us as we continue to try to grow and bring more people and add classroom spaces and all that good stuff. Whoever built the building uh, did an amazing job. We moved in when it was the building was four years old. But one of the things you have to know about this this space is anytime we filled the first two levels uh, of this auditorium, all the children's spaces overflow. Uh, it's just the way it is. Uh, so we actually will never be at capacity with this space. We don't want to be. Because if we are at th- capacity with this space, uh, we don't have enough parking, we don't have enough children's space, we don't have enough anything. So the goal for us will always be to add more services. So I just want you to know that from the outset today. Hey, it's a good problem to have. Amen, everybody? Like, Isn't that awesome? So... We're happy for that. Uh, this is the last and final week of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want to tell you this, you're, you're nearing the finish line now, okay? Uh, so stay with it. Don't get hangry. Uh, at, don't take your anger out on somebody else like you're doing this for the Lord. Remember that. Uh, and uh, I just want to encourage you to come pray with us this Saturday uh, as we wrap up 21 days. Uh, it's always a really amazing time. At the very tail end, Uh, a mentor, I told everybody who came to prayer yesterday morning, a mentor told me some time ago that if you're ever needing a solution or you're needing wisdom about something in your life, for whatever reason, on that third week uh, of a fast, you'll gain supernatural clarity, Uh, and and the clarity usually comes at the very end. So if you're looking for that answer, like hold on and really seek God this week, because I feel like he's going to answer you, and I'd love for you to come pray with us at 9 a.m. this uh, this coming Saturday to wrap things up. And then next Sunday is a really, really special weekend for us. Uh, we call it Anointing Sunday. And uh, on this day, we will pray for every family in our church. It sounds super daunting. Some of you may feel like a little intimidated by that, like I don't even know what that looks like. We want you to know it, it's it's very uh, natural. It's not weird. Nobody's going to, you know, throw you on the ground and pin you down Uh and perform an exorcism on you. Uh, it's it's just it's just us, basically, as your church, saying we're praying for the blessing of God on every family that makes this church their home, and uh, and so we're going to pray and ask God's favor upon you, you know. And we anoint you with oil. Uh, it, it's representative of the Holy Spirit. We say Holy Spirit, we want your presence. And I'll talk about that next week and help you in that moment. It's a really sweet time, so I'd love for you to come. And let your church and our elders and our prayer team and let us just pray for you and uh, pray for God's supernatural wisdom. It's right after 21 days and I believe uh, God will move in your heart and do something amazing in that. And then uh, the welcome to church party is the new solution. I, I mentioned this last week. We're doing this in place of the growth track now. Uh, and so we'd love for you to join us February 5th. If this is, you're like new to our church, we have a lot of new faces right now. A lot of people saying, I want to start my year. I want to get back in church. I want to be faithful to God. This is where you really, your next step is. Okay, so uh, I think we've got QR codes out in the lobby. We may have them on the screen. There it is right there. You can take, a, uh, take out your phone right now if you want to and register for that. A lot of you already have. We're re- really looking forward to a great turnout uh, for our first one on February 5th at 6 p.m. Come on back. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, this is kind of new uh, in a way that we're doing this. And then today is our group leader training. This is the last thing. Uh, our small group semester is about to begin. Uh, February 5th and 12th uh, will be the two weeks that we help you sign up. Uh, February 12th, of course, is the Super Bowl, so we call that Game Day Sunday. We want you to wear your jerseys. You know, we're, We've got new merch we're releasing that day. We, we'll have a, a, a chip bar. Uh, that'll be insane and amazing uh, for you to, to grab uh, chips all day long. So it's just going to be a lot of fun things going on uh, here in the building. But if you want to lead a group, two different types of groups we have. Uh, we have growth groups and social groups. Social groups. Uh, One of the areas that 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 involves is what we call dinner parties here at HC. So we'd love for you to jump into a dinner party if you're looking to meet people. And if you are looking to go deeper with God, you can join a growth group. And so social groups and growth groups, two different arms, uh, a discipleship, and then a kind of a relationship building uh, arm as well. We'd love for you to get involved and to be a part. All right, Nehemiah, uh, we're back for Build and Fight week three. Let me just share with you kind of our theme verse of the series, uh, this is Nehemiah four verse fourteen. I've read it to you over the last two weeks, so let me just read it to you again. It Says this: Nehemiah is talking. He says, "Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome." And I want everybody to say this next part that's highlighted out loud with me today, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And then the Bible says that those who carried materials did their work with one hand. And held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. We've been talking about this story. And we will continue to talk about it over the next few weeks. The book of Nehemiah. It's the story that he tells, named after himself. Of the people uniting around a common vision of restoring and rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem again. And by rebuilding the walls, how many people understand and know that they were building their future? They were were investing in and building a future for themselves, for their families, and for their kids. They were united around the idea that by building, they would overcome, and that nothing in the world would be able to stop them. And so... There were two things that they were doing in this process. They were building and they were fighting. Everybody say build. build. That's awesome. You did well. Strong this morning. Come on, say fight. Fight. Woo, my goodness. As Christians, we are called to be builders, everybody. Oh. I don't really know what to do with this most days. (laughs) I want to remind you that we're called not to just build our lives, which most of us in this room are doing. But that we're to build them upon the foundation of God's word. The Bible tells us that a wise man builds his house on a firm foundation. The Bible calls it the rock. How many people know he wasn't talking about a physical house? He was talking about our lives. We're to be builders. Come on, say builders. Builders. We're here to build. Not only are we to build our lives, we're here to build God's church. I said we're here to build God's church. From generation to generation. The project of building the church started with Jesus. It continued with the disciples. And then it went from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. Come on, the ends of the earth. Those nations represented a compounding effect of the gospel spreading. And I just want to remind you today that the church is building across the world. Like, there are more churches in the world than there are Starbucks, everybody. It's estimated that there are 37 million churches around the world. Think about that for just a second. An estimated 380,000 churches in America. And I think that sometimes, if we're not careful, we look at the church and we think, Oh, the, the small, little underdog church... It's kind of pitiful and it's kind of trying to do everything it can to stay alive and stay relevant. Listen to me. No, it's building. It's massive. And it's taking ground. The gospel is growing. LifeWay research tells us that 2.56 billion people identify as Christians with a 1.17% growth rate. In fact, the two fastest Christian growth groups in the world right now are evangelicals and charismatics. Those crazy charismatics. How many people are thankful that you're charismatic? You believe in the gifts that God has for you. Four of you. Great. In Africa, right now, the church is growing. In 20 years or 20 years ago, there were six. 660 million Christians in Africa and Asia. Today there are 1.1 billion. Jesus said, I will build my church. Can I just say this to you today? That there's nothing that you can do that Jesus cares more about than when you help him build his church. That's why I don't mind calling you to it. I don't mind asking you to sacrifice for it. I don't mind calling you to the wall. Because forget about me. I'm, I'm one of you. And Jesus has called all of us to his church. It's like, what does God want me to do with my life? Pastor Dusty, can you help me just go? I don't know what he wants for me. Can I tell you one thing that I'm really sure that he wants for your life? It's to help build his church. Now, he has an individual plan for your life, and it's important. But, come on, building his church is priority number one. Come on, say builders. Anybody can tear down and criticize and point out faults. By the way, I know that some of you leave church and you grade it. Oh, you know, what would you think about church? Oh, song one was okay, you know. That's did okay today. You know, it's kind of a B minus. He asked me to clap a lot. <laughs> Had a hammer, kind of weird. <laughs> you you want to really annoy me? Can I just tell you the phrase that annoys me just about more than anything is when people come. To me. Yeah, we've just been ch- church shopping. Just been shopping. Like the church is some sort of a place where you just come to consume. I just want to turn around and say, you know, I've been shopping for people. You're, you're not it. You know. <laughs> we found you. Great, thanks. Was looking for a pastor with a 200 thread count. In a, in a schmedium. You know. That's really stupid. Anybody can find faults. If you want to know some things that are not working around here, I have a list. (laughs) If you have come here and you think that you have found the perfect church, give us six months and we'll ruin that for you. (laughs) By the way, if it's a perfect church, you probably shouldn't be allowed to be here. And none of us should be. But the only way that Jerusalem got built is that people jumped in and started building. And the same is true here. And the book of Nehemiah shows us that there's an attitude that we have to have. We have to become a builder. Come on, shout builder. builder. But not only do we have to be a builder, ha. <laughs> How many of you know that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing with this right now? i get used to this. How many people know that, that the builders in Nehemiah faced opposition from their enemies? And they dealt with bullying and criticism daily. As they started to try to rebuild the walls, we talked about this last week, there, people were constantly talking bad about them. This is going to happen to you. I just need you to know that whenever you sell yourself out to the purposes that God has for you, you need to be ready. Because when you serve his purpose, everybody's not going to say nice things. When you build a life with the sense of going somewhere, and you realize that it matters for the kingdom of God. You're not going to get cheered on from everybody. Not everybody's going to celebrate it. They were excited to build their city. They weren't threatening anyone, but every day there were naysayers and voices that were challenging them. And and with the constant threat of physical attack, a lot of people would probably just have given up and gone home, but not the people of Judah. And so the Bible tells us that while they worked, they had a sword at their side. And they fought negativity directed at them, and they kept pushing. Now, I want to say this because I think it needs to be said for just a moment. That the focus was the building. That was the focus. That was what was important. The weapon was just in case someone tried to stop them from building. And here's what I need you to know, that when I talk about being a fighter, I'm not talking about a a physical fight. I don't want you to think that, you know, I'm telling you to be an insurrectionist or, you know, something crazy like that. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, did you know that most of the battles that we fight as believers are mental and spiritual? But just because you don't fight it with a physical sword, doesn't mean that you're not fighting. You're fighting every day. And if that's not a part of God that you're familiar with, let let me just remind you for just a second, Exodus 15, that the Lord is a warrior. Some, Some people say, well, I thought he was a lamb. Well, he is a lamb. The Bible tells us he's the lion and the lamb. But not just that, That if you have children in this place today, that you're not just raising up disciple makers, you're raising up warriors. Psalm, Psalm 20, 127, I love this, this language. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. That They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. Some of y'all, your quiver is really full. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. We're not just warriors, we're raising up warriors. Jesus actually said, don't suppose that I just came to bring peace, but a sword. Excuse me? Not my sweet baby Jesus. The Lamb of God. Listen, I get that, but one of his positions is that he fights against the kingdoms of darkness, everybody. He was a fighter. And what he means when he says that he came to bring a sword is that following Jesus would bring a cost. And it would be hard. And it would actually separate you from even family sometimes. That when you take a stand for the kingdom, it's not going to be a popular stand. Now, I know that not everybody in this room today relates to this idea of carrying a hammer and a sword. But we're called. And we need tools and weapons. So, what I want to do, and I've kind of been building everything I've said up to this point in this series. Is to kind of get to this moment right here. And over the next couple of weeks. Because up until this point, I've tried to give you this imagery. But I want to try to make it a little bit more practical now for the rest of the series. And I want to give you 10 ways to build and fight in your life. And these are all ways that I have pulled out of the book of Nehemiah. This is not meant to be uh, an exhaustive list. There are probably 40 or 50 of these things. But... Between today and next week and the week after, we're just going to kind of go through these 10 things, and I'm going to help you build and fight. How do we build and fight? I'm just going to give you vision for that. Now, of course, you can look over them right now. You can take a picture of it if you want to, but we're going to talk about each one of these. How do we build and do we fight? And so look them over, and in the next few weeks, we're going to hit them all together. Again, not a complete list. As you're reading the book of Nehemiah, if you'd like to read the book, you, you'll see these different pieces in Scripture. So, this is a lot of vision, but I just want to take some time. So, let's, let's do this. Is this alright with you guys today? Let's just get kind of practical and let's talk about these. Ten ways to build and fight. We talked about this first one. I'm not going to spend a long time on this because I talked a little bit about it last week. But the first way we build and fight is by staying focused on what matters. The builders of Nehemiah faced opposition, and we were in chapter 4 last week. I want to look at chapter 6 for just a moment here. And so we know, here's what you got to know. When, when we get here, know that they've been building the wall, and their enemies are seeing the progress of what they're doing, and, and the enemies are starting to get really nervous. So they send a message to Nehemiah, and they say to Nehemiah, we, we want to meet with you. We, we want to have a meeting. And Nehemiah realized in advance, he knew the purpose of the meeting, that the purpose of the meeting was to interfere and to stop what they were doing in their progress. And so, and he knew that those enemies were going to use really two primary tactics, distraction and deception. Sometimes you're not doing anything wrong, you just lose focus. And I want to encourage you in this season not to lose focus. Like, You can be a good person, but you can get distracted. And you're you're distracted and all of a sudden, because you're so distracted on everything else, you're no longer a builder. In fact, I want you to look at what Nehemiah said to them and how he responded to their attempts to distract him. It says, so Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. This was the message he sent back. He said, Will you meet us? And he said, I am engaged in a come on, everybody say it out loud. Uh great work. I'm engaged in a great work. <laughs> so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I love this. I'm in a great work right now. What I'm doing has purpose. And it means something. And just to be honest, I don't have time for pettiness or for smallness or for distraction. Because what I'm involved in is great. And I just feel like I need to encourage somebody today. Don't leave the great for the silly. Don't leave the great for the distracting. Don't leave the great even for the good. Stay connected to the great. Nehemiah, he says this uh, a little bit later on the text. He said, I replied, should someone in my position run from danger? Should someone in my position enter the temple to save his life? No, I won't do it. By the way, this idea of saving himself for the temple, the temple was like a safe haven. It's where everybody ran in a time of trouble. He said, should I be running to the temple right now because I'm scared of what I'm facing right now? I'm not coming down. I'm not going to be distracted. You're trying to scare me. I'm not going into the temple. I'm not backing down. I'm not trying to get off course. Let me me tell you something. This this is good, okay? The enemy isn't bothered by your good intentions. He's afraid of your focused follow through, everybody. The areas of your life where you're saying, I'm going to be committed and I'm going to see it through. Some of you this year, you've, you've been really coming to church, like you're starting strong. I want to tell you, like, follow through. You know, give us a year of your life. Go all in and see what God will do in your life. Right now, honestly, he's not really thinking about you and you came to church twice or you got in a group once. You know, because here's what he thinks about you. You're just going to fall away. You have good intentions, but you never follow through. These are the lies that you listen to and you'll even tell yourself. I'm telling you, but when you make a a concerted effort, I'm going to follow through. I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to pray first. This is when we stay focused. All of a sudden, the enemy, you're saying, I'm not going to let the enemy distract me, deceive me. He's a distractor, everybody. Did you know that he doesn't even care if you have stuff? He'll even give you stuff sometimes. Just so that he can distract you enough from what most is important. Think of all the things the enemy has you worried about right now. Most of it, come on, let's just be honest. Most of it, it's nothing. It's not going to end up as anything. But you're just taking all your energy. You're focused on it, worried about it, freaking out about it. Just enough to come down off the wall. And I want to tell you today, come on everybody, stay on the wall and keep building. Amen, everybody. Come on and clap your hands all over the room today. Let's stay on the wall. All right, here's the second one. 10 ways that we build and fight. The second one is by praying about everything. This is so important, and it's gonna sound so elementary, but I cannot tell you how important this is. Nehemiah was a praying man, he prayed 14 different prayers over 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah that are recorded for us to see. And he prayed all types of different requests. He made specific requests. He made bold requests. He prayed for God's favor. He prayed for the favor with the king. He prayed for strength. And I mentioned this last week. He prayed for failure for his enemy. For their plans to be thwarted. Look at Nehemiah 111. Give your servants success today. By granting him favor in the presence of this man. That's one of the prayers. Give me success. Give me favor. I talked about this in the first week. Lord, help me accomplish the mission that you have for my life. And then a little later on, he prays this. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. How many people know those are two very different types of prayers? One's for success. One's for the failure of the enemy. And I just think that the point is just simply this. Here's what Nehemiah understood, that although they were called to be builders at the wall, he realized that everything that he did relied on God's help. He had to have God in the mix with him. And I'll just say this to you today. (laughs) However much you're praying right now and how much you're seeking God right now, you probably need to be doing it more. Can we just all kind of admit that today? Like, we just need to be admitting on him more. However much you're asking God right now for help in your life, you probably need to be doing it more. We must be a people of prayer. Can I just tell you that one of my greatest prayers for our church, as I think about all the things that I would hope would be said about us, one of my greatest prayers for our church is that the prayer meetings would be the biggest meetings. How can we accomplish anything great as a church if only 20 people pray? What message does it send to God? God, our church is desperate for a move, so we sent 20 in. I'm, I'm thankful that there are people in this room today that know that their place at the wall is simply to be an intercessor. And if you're one of those people that God's called you to pray, we'll we'll never know this side of heaven, all that you do in the spirit. But can I thank you for not just standing at the wall, but for fighting at the wall for people today, for being a prayer warrior, for standing with us. There's a wall in Jerusalem. I hope that some of you get to go to Israel. Uh, I hope that all of you get to go to Israel. It's one of the greatest places, is the greatest place in the world to me. But there is, there's a place in Jerusalem called the Western Wall. Maybe you've seen pictures of it. It's this wall in Jerusalem that prayer is going up 24 hours a day, all the time. And it's amazing because every type of person that you could imagine, you know, from every nationality, men, women, you know, young people, old people, you know children praying at this wall and and they'll bring prayers and fold them into little clumps of paper and they'll put them in this wall offering up prayers to our god in fact i've done that for you in that wall i can't i'm not sure exactly how often they remove the paper they have to do it you know every now and then but i've put prayers for this church for your families in that wall. Every time I'm there, I pray God's blessing on the people of Heartland Church. Thousands of prayers all over the wall, going up, petitions. And people are from every nationality. You'll see people singing and dancing and, and praying and crying and kneeling and swaying. And people are earnestly seeking God and making their requests known to Him. It's a beautiful thing. And I just want to know today if you'd consider it. Just making your petitions always known. Philippians 5, it's, or 4. It's not an unfamiliar verse. Many it says, do not be anxious about anything but in, come on everybody, in e- every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present them. Can, can I just, I, I, I try to say this a couple times a year. But ask Him. Ask Him. I don't know every single thing in your life that you're going through. But can I just invite you to tell Him about it? I mean, you will never know what God can do until you trust Him and ask Him and step out by faith with your life with Him. Why hide? Why, why, why be afraid? Why not be bold? Why not write it down and put it on a mirror where you brush your teeth and every day look at that prayer request and just offer it up to God. Let me tell you, it matters to Him, everybody. Maybe you're in a difficult season right now. Maybe you're in a hard financial season or or you have grief in your life right now, or you're sick, or you're discouraged about something, or you're afraid, don't be afraid to cry out to God. Don't be afraid to express yourself to Him. Some of you in this room, you might be introverted. Come on, if you're an introverted person, raise your hand. Let me see all of my introverts. I just made you feel so uncomfortable by making you raise your hand in church. Where are my extroverts at? You're an extrovert in the room. Yeah, yeah, we know. Okay. (laughs) Can I just push you, whether you're introverted, whether you're extroverted? This is your heavenly Father. He's a Father. He wants to be a Father. For some of you, not an earthly Father like the Father that you didn't have. He wants to redefine fatherhood for you. Just express yourself. Talk to Him. Listen. Let your kids hear you pray in front of them. One of the things I do in premarital counseling with couples is I will ask them, tell me about when you were growing up, do you feel like you saw a spiritual example modeled for you that was healthy? And I'll ask people, and it's amazing to me the number of people that they don't really even know how to quantify that. Or to define that. Some people will say, what do you mean? When you say spiritual example. And I'll ask them, well did you ever see them pray? Did you ever hear them pray? Well I saw them go to church. No, I'm not asking you just about church attendance. Okay, that's a piece of it. Did you guys ever talk about faith? Did they ever talk about what God was saying to them? Did you see it in your life? My dad talks about him and his four brothers lined up in their underwear at night, kneeling and kicking and punching while mom and dad knelt beside them and cried out, Oh God, use my kids. All five of them in ministry years later. I don't think it was because they trained them for ministry in a public way, I think it was because they trained them for ministry. In a private way. They saw them kneel and pray. Talk to God in front of your kids. Get out of your comfort zones. Listen, comfort is way overrated. I said this last week. The best things in life don't come on the couch. You won't build a life that will stand without prayer. You build it in your own strength. You build it in the sand. It'll fall. Maybe you want God to use you. Have you ever told God that? God, I want you to use me. How desperate are you? I'll never forget, my God, I have so many memories of our old chapel and our old building. Going there on Friday nights. I told a whole bunch of students at our youth camps because I talked about prayer at youth camp this summer. And I told them the stories of how I would, on Friday nights at 10 o'clock, me and a small group of friends would go into our chapel after the football games had ended. And on the back wall, there was a map of the city of, down, of, of Dallas, Fort Worth. And I remember at 18 years old, I would go and we would put on music and I would put my whole body up against that map. and I would say, God, if you would use me to touch the city somehow. If you'll use somebody, God, I don't have all the gifts. I don't have all the talents. I I really honestly have never been that popular of a kid. Kind of a nerd. Sort of really pale. (laughs) Sunburn, too easy. God, if you'll use me. I want to stand at your wall, and I want to build your kingdom. Do you ever get in a place where it's just you and God? you You stop talking about your business and everything that's important to you. Just ask God, God, give me a heart for what's important to you. See, what I've learned is that the call to build is the call to prayer. Let me tell you something. Events don't build churches. Prayer rooms build churches. My legacy as a pastor won't be the big events, and it won't be the conferences. It'll be the people that learn to say yes to pray. That's what builders and fighters do. They get into the secret place and they do war and they intercede. When was the last time you interceded for someone else? I have this friend, I've known him for a number of years. His name is Jeff. You, you have a friend that you feel like is the most unsaved person you know? And you've thought to yourself, I think everybody could get saved except for this one person. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm in a dark place. That, that was Jeff. Uh, all the years I've known him, over 20 years, the whole time he's been an alcoholic. But he loved golf, and uh, I loved golf. And a friend invited him to this event that we would do every year where a bunch of us would play. And, uh, and so Jeff would always be there with the group. And every day Jeff would start drinking at 9 a.m., and he would drink the whole day the entire day until 8:30 p.m. where he would fall asleep go to bed his favorite thing to do i felt like was to make fun of me being a pastor he would every time every day that we were together and we would have a conversation or we were driving on the way down he was not driving obviously but he wanted to talk about faith He wanted to talk about God, and he wanted to talk about Joel Osteen. (laughs) And he would tell me in the car about how God's not real. And he was the the most lost person that I've ever met. About three years ago, right before COVID hit, Jeff called me uh, on a Saturday And he said, hey, he said, my wife wants to come to church, so we're coming to church, uh, to your church this Sunday. And after I got up off the floor, (laughs) I was in total shock that he came. And so I saved him seats. Third row, right where you're sitting, sir, on the third row. And I preached. And before I preached that day, I kind of found a spot. And I prayed, Lord, I have no idea if Jeff wants to be saved. But you can save Jeff. And so, if you can use me today, please help me. And that Sunday, I've talked about this many times. About when you bring somebody to church, it's different when you have something on the line. That day, I preached differently. You know? I, everything I was saying, I was catering it to Jeff. You might be here and be an alcoholic. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I watched them. I would preach and then I would look, you know, out of the corner of my eye. And his wife just sat there, and she she cried the whole service. And afterwards, I went out in the lobby, and he was standing there, and it was about the most awkward exchange you can imagine. He said, good service, man. And I said, thanks. That was it. I said, man, I'm really glad you came today. He said, I'm going to tell you, it's a long way away. He said, from my house. He said, but I'll watch at some point online. Okay, Jeff, thanks for coming. So eight months later, I'm in a Sam's Club parking lot. I'm filling up my car with gas. And a pastor friend of mine, his name's Chris Estrada. He was here at Reveal Conference. Uh, he'll be here again this year at Reveal Conference. And uh, Chris calls me. And we're on the phone and we're talking. And he says, dude, you're not going to believe this. He said, this guy got married into my family. So you, I don't know if you know this. He said, he's got radically saved. He said, He said that you led him to Christ. I was like, I, I said, Chris, I don't know who you're talking about. I said, what's his name? And he said, his name's Jeff. And, I, and it took me a minute. I said, bro, I, I don't know a Jeff that has gotten radically saved. He goes, no. He goes, you don't know him. He starts describing. And for the life of me, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm thinking about our church like, dude, I do not know who you're talking about. He said, Yeah, he plays golf with you every year. He said, Jeff. And I went, Pff. And then it hit me. I said, You're talking about Jeff? Jeff. He said, Bro, Jeff's attending a, a church out by his house, he's in a small group. He's in a men's group. He's got radically saved. He gave up alcohol. Like his marriage has been restored. It's amazing. And he said that you led him to Christ. I said, Well, I didn't lead him to. And in that moment, I thought of that prayer that I prayed God, if you can use me. To save Jeff. Listen, I'm standing in faith for you. But I want you to know that that you need to have faith that when you pray, God hears you. Trust him with your life and know that he knows you from the beginning to the end. He knows how it's going to work. He wants to use you. And we pray and we say, God, I'm going to stand at the wall and believe and trust. I'm going to make the decision today. That by doing these things, you're going to help us build together what you've called us to. So pray. Pray about everything. Here's the last one. I'm getting ready to close. This one's real short. The the third one is by praise and worship. Let me just show this to you. In fact, where's my Bible? Hand me my Bible, Cody, real quick. Hand me my Bible. (laughs) This is awesome. This is uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, I think. There's the test. Yeah, Nehemiah chapter 8. So this is really great in Scripture. You've got to imagine this for just a second. So the wall has now been built, okay? And all these people are having a moment. And Ezra stands up before the people. The Bible says all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And he's opened the book, so he took the Bible. The Bible says he opened it. And all the people stood up. I didn't know that was going to work or not. It it did. And the Bible says that Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands. And responded, Amen. 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 And they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces. To, no, I'm just you're not going to do that one, okay? <laughs> they were having church and they were participating. How many people know that participating in church is the best kind of church? We're not here to watch. We're not just here to attend. We're not here to be spectators. We are the church, everybody. We're here to clap. We're here to sing. We're here to participate. We're here to be a part because praise is a weapon that fights the enemy. Amen? Maybe one of my top ten favorite verses in the whole Bible, Psalm 149. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Excuse me, Tim. Yeah, back away. (laughs) So every time you worship, you got to get this picture in your mind, everybody. You're not holding a physical sword when you worship, but your hands (laughs) They're like a double-edged sword. Your worship is tearing down strongholds over your family. Your praise, oh God, be exalted in this place. It's putting all of hell on notice that I am standing and building and fighting for the kingdom of God. (laughs) So when we praise God, you know what it does? It gets our mind off of ourselves and it gets us focused on the power and strength of our God. Sing this, say. All my life you have been faithful. Sing it if you know it. All my
1: life you have been so, so good.
0: Try try it when you're in the car. Try it when you're going to work. Put some music on when you feel low, when you feel discouraged, and when you feel like you have no hope. And realize that God's called you to the wall. Like, put, put your mind on Him. Let me tell you what it does it opens up a way for God to work in your life, it makes you a vessel. It gets your spirit focused on Him and not your circumstances. You may have walked into this place today focused on your circumstances. Today, you're gonna walk out of this room focused on what God has done for you in your life. When we get praise in our spirit, we get strength, everybody. When we praise, we get hope. Come on, all over the room today. I want you to sing this out to Him. Lift up a song of praise. Hallelujah. Let's just turn this place just for a moment. Just open up your mouth, and I want you just to begin to speak out a worship song, your own song, a worship to Him. Come on, let Him know how good He is. Don't ask for anything. Just, just make your presence focus on the presence of God. Let your mouth just declare His goodness. Hallelujah, we thank you for it, God.
2: church can we clap our hands and thank god for everything that he's doing thank you jesus you are so good lord hallelujah we give you praise today thank you jesus thank you jesus and i gotta tell y'all what i am fired up about this message build and fight aren't you this has been amazing pastor dusty thank you so much for another great installment in this series we appreciate you man That, that was a great message And, uh, you know, we all have a Jeff in our lives, don't we? And let's not stop praying. Let's not stop believing for him. Woo, got me all fired up. Come on, somebody. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for joining us here today. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. And listen. If you'd like to give to the Mission and Vision of Heartland Church, you can do so in a couple of different ways. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but you can give in the little boxes on your way out. You can do so through text or online, and we just thank you so much for everything that you're doing. In fact, we're able to reach hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of students at Reveal Conference thanks to all that you are giving, and we're really hyped and really excited about that coming up here in just a couple of months. So. Well, hey, we're going to worship the same way. We're going to worship you out the same way you came in, and uh, it's going to be great. Let me pray for you, and then you will be dismissed, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. For your goodness, your graciousness, God, we're so appreciative that we get the opportunity to stand at the wall, build and fight, Lord Jesus. God, we're believing for amazing things in this season of our lives, in this season of our church. And God, we pray that for whatever is given today, we would use it for the expansion of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen, and let's go Cowboys!